on there from the Williamsburg campus. We also want to say thank you to Katie and Cord Walls, who are the creative masterminds behind that. I see Cord pointing to his sister, so let's say thank you to Katie. Making that happen, that's a lot of, of hours invested in pulling that together each year. So we just, we so appreciate our creative team and all the things that they do. So um, let me just, before we get into what we're going to do tonight, we're going to do a little bit different of a, of a, of a, of a service uh, for, the, for the rest of our time together. But, but before we get into it, let me just say too that too, we had a guest speaker last week and so we wanted to be able to give some time to that introduction. How about Ron and Sandy Johnson here this past weekend? So rich. So good. If you were not here last weekend, I just want to encourage you to get on the podcast to hear that message about what it means when our prayers can open up a, a Kairos moment in, 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 the, in the Kronos time. And it was really a lifetime message, I think, that all of us, I think he spoke into the language of our church, this idea of a Kairos moment. I, I trust that there's going to be some Kairos moments in some people's lives tonight. So I would encourage you to get on and listen to that, to that podcast. But, but the week before that, we just Vanessa and I just wanted to take just a second and say thank you for loving on us, for, for it was Pastor's Appreciation Month, and, and you all surprised surprised us. I always get nervous when I get up here to, 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 to start with the message and I see someone out of the corner of my eye, you know, so I'm not, I'm not sure what's getting ready to, to happen. I'm watching the ushers to see if they're breaking towards them, right? If the ushers aren't moving, then I, then I have a sense that maybe something's up. And so you, you all just loved on us so good, all those cards, all those gifts, and we've read, we just keep reading through them, just your sentiments, and, and uh, I'm just, it is a privilege for Vanessa and I to walk with this church. This is just an amazing church. Church, an amazing group of people, and, uh, and we just thank God every day that we have the privilege to, to, to walk together with you, to see the vision that God's given us, not my vision, our vision together, our vision together for the people of this region to discover a life that we like to say is heaven now, heaven forever, and so we just want to say thank you for that, and uh, much love back to you in turn. So, you know, we, we have a, a, a heart to, to, to see campuses planted in this region. You know, the Williamsburg campus uh, is, is well underway. It's exciting to see what's happening there. If you've not been there, you should go and visit. We meet in the YMCA there on Sunday mornings off of Moortown Road. It's easy to find. You can find it online. And, uh, but we're just, we're excited. We're, we, you know, we don't know where the next campus is going to be or the campus after that, but we really believe that there are many campuses. It's one of the things that Ron Johnson said to us when we were talking a little bit while they were here. He just looked at us in the eye and said, there are, there are many campuses campuses that are going to be born out of this church. And, uh, and we believe that with all of our heart. And, uh, and one of the things that's going to be important to us about all of those campuses is that there, there will always be live worship and live teaching. Not to say how other churches do it, it's wrong, we're not saying that, but we just know for us that we always want to have live worship and we want to have live teaching because that enables us to step into prophetic moments. It, it enables us to set aside the plan that we've prayed about to, to, to put into play. It enables us to just move that aside and step into prophetic moments when they present themselves. And so when uh, I was went uh, early on Friday morning to the office, we were in office space up at North Riverside Baptist Church. And I was in their sanctuary, uh, and I was up in their balcony. That's one of my new favorite places to go and, uh, and hide up there and just and read and pray. And, and, uh, and I was up there, and I was reading a verse, which I'm going to share in just a minute. And, and, uh, and, and as I read this verse, I just, I, with great clarity, I just felt 
God speak to me. He said, I want you to talk about this verse on, on Saturday night. And so we're going to, we've got like a little, uh, you know, we're in a series on prayer and uh, called The Circle Maker and based on this, the book by Mark Batterson. And so I've got a little two-part message on Acts chapter 2 that we were going to start tonight and carry over into next week. We're probably not going to get to that tonight, so it's probably going to push into the beginning of December a little bit uh, into, that, into that series. But we're okay with that. You with me? That we just want to be able to step into the moment that, that God leads us into. And so I'm up there in, in this balcony, and I'd, I like to pray in that sanctuary just because it's a very traditional, liturgical uh, layout and setup. I, I'm very, uh, 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 I have a fondness for that because I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and so my first experiences encountering God were in that kind of setting, you know, where there's pews and, and crosses and, and stained glass, and there's just something inside of me that's, that's, that's drawn to that. And, uh, and so I'm up there, and, uh, and, I was, and I was remembering that when I was a child, I can remember being in that little Episcopal church in, in, in the countryside of, of Verina, and, uh, and we would sing the doxology. Anybody here grow up? Sing the, I'm not going to sing it because that would clear the room. But, uh, but, you know, it would be praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I, I remember being a child and, and standing there. Being in an Episcopal church, it's a lot of work, right? It's kneeling and standing and sitting. And you didn't, have, you didn't need a gym membership if you were Episcopalian back when I was growing up. And, so, and, all, and then we would close the service almost every week by singing this doxology. And so I was up there in the balcony and, uh, of North Riverside Baptist Church on, on Friday morning. And I'm just kind of reflecting and, and thinking on those things. And I just have, had an overwhelming sense of, of, of the presence of God. And, and, uh, and I was re- we're reading through the Bible in a year. We pick a different reading plan every year. And, uh, and so I, I, we, we've been reading in Matthew, that's where we were on Friday, at least the plan that I'm using, and uh, Matthew 25, and it's a very sobering chapter in, in the Bible. It, it speaks about the, the final judgment that's going to come as the last portion of, if you've got some subheadings in your Bible like I do, it says the final judgment, beginning in verse 31. And so when you get to verse 46, these are the words that you find, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Let me read that again. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And, and as I was reading that, that's when I felt like God spoke to me and said, hey, Fred, I want you to talk about that verse on, on Saturday night. And I thought, you know, there are probably few verses in the Bible that are as sobering as that. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? It's, it's not a parable. Sometimes Jesus spoke in parables. There were times that he would tell stories to kind of create a metaphor for us to understand something. But then there's times where Jesus gives us a glimpse into the future. There's times in his teaching where he says to you and he says to me, hey, this is going to happen. It's not a parable. It's not a story. It's not a metaphor. This, this is real. This is what's waiting for you. And he, and he steps into this teaching, and at the end, it culminates by saying there's going to be a moment of judgment. And, and in that moment of judgment, there's only going to be two things that are spoken to people. For some, it's going to be come, and for others, it's going to be get out. And there's a finality to each one of those invitations, or maybe one's an invitation, the other is command, and that's that word eternal that's there. There's no turning back from that moment. And that moment then has a lot to do with moments like tonight. 
And I'm absolutely convinced that there's someone here tonight, maybe there's more than one person, that God wants to create a moment for you tonight so that that moment can be different for you from what it would be if you don't step into the moment he's going to invite you into this evening. You with me? All of us at times in our lives, we need people to contend for us. Some of us, I, I would imagine maybe some of you on that screen, maybe the life that you're living. I know, I know some of your stories from the life that you lived when you were serving, when you were, were, were younger. The, that, uh, the, the, we're laughing at some of those pictures, but I would imagine some of you, when you look at some of those pictures, there's a lot of pain that you see in those pictures because of the person that you were and the, and the life that you were living. And I, I guarantee you there was someone contending for your life during that time. It might have been a spouse that's sitting next to you, knew the life that you were living when you were out and away from your family and, and overseas, and you contended for your husband. You contended for your wife. It might have been a parent. I, my mother contended for me. I was tearing up during the worship service just thinking about how faithful my parents were, but especially my mother praying for me, the, the ugliness of, of my life up until I was 20. I didn't make a vow of devotion to Christ until I was 23. So all during high school and all during college, I caused them great heartache and great pain. But my mother contended for me. She prayed for me. She never gave up on me. When, when everything else from the outside looking in would say his life is just a wash, she, she just never stopped. And there was one particular night where she got down on her knees. We had this uh, uh, velvet kneeler. We, we, we refinished it for them some time ago for a present, but there was a kneeler that my parents had at the, at the foot of the bed. It was covered in red velvet and it had the, the studded tacks, you know, all around the side of it. And my mom and dad, every night before they would go to bed, they would kneel on that kneeler together at the foot of the bed. What a powerful picture that was for me growing up. And they would pray for people. They would pray for us. And, 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 and so when I was away at college and my life was a wreck, I, I know my, every night my mother would get down on that kneeler and she would pray. She would contend for me. She would pray for me. There's a great story in scripture, this, this young man by the name of John Mark, and we've talked about it before, where he went on a missionary journey with, with Paul and, and Barnabas, and he failed them. We don't know exactly what happened, but he abandoned that missionary journey, and, and when they were getting ready to go out on another missionary journey, Barnabas, who was a relative to John Mark, said, hey, let's take him with us, and Paul said, I don't think so, right? And we're not taking this guy with us. He's failed us. He, he can't be trusted, but Barnabas contended for him. He contended for this young man. We, we don't know what the condition that caused him to, to, to disappoint and fail and to abandon them on that trip. But Barnabas contended for this young man. Now, now, Paul didn't have a grace for him, and part of that, I think, is because Barnabas was a family member to him. He had a grace for him sometimes that only family members have. My mother had a grace for me because I was her child. You with me? She had a grace beyond what other people had. She contended for me. And, and that night, she got down on her, her knees, and she said, Whatever you need to do, God, get his attention. What, whatever you need to do. Can I just tell you, when a mother prays that prayer, it's dangerous business, right? It's dangerous business. I don't know what that does to your theology. I can't explain it and understand it, but it was as though my mother was giving God permission to, to get after me a little bit, right? She was contending for me. We, we call it your desperation revelation. The parable of the prodigal son. Sometimes God needs to get you to a place so that you can realize how much you really need him. And, and uh, so that night, it wasn't too long after that, just hours later, they get a call from the local hospital off of Parham Road in Richmond. I'm in there getting stitched up. That's another story for another time, but I had a terrible accident that night. And uh, lots of stitching going on with me in the emergency room. And, and that was a very disturbing call for my parents to get. But in some way, 
it was hope giving to my mother. Are you with me? Because she knew that God had heard my prayer. And it was another two years before my life really took a turn for the better. But that's one of the moments that I can point to. It's a moment that, 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 that my mother can point to and say, I contended for someone for years. And there was a moment where God moved. And then sometime after that, their lives. I think there's someone here tonight. Someone's been contending for you. You know, and, and maybe they've been contending for you for a long time. And tonight is the moment that you're supposed to step into, like I stepped into in December of 1990, where I made a vow of devotion to Christ, and my life was redirected forever. Redirected forever. I think about if I had not embraced that moment that God was inviting me into to make a vow of devotion to Christ, I had no idea what my future was going to hold. But I, sometimes it's sobering for me to think that all of this right here I would have never known. Can you imagine? This woman who is the love of my life, never known. These two sons over here, my daughter, never known. You're with me? We, sometimes we step into moments in time, and God invites us into that moment, and sometimes we get into that moment because other people have been contending for us, and our whole future is waiting for us. If we would only give ourselves to that moment, the tomorrows that he has promised to us that he's waiting for you and for me to discover. I was talking to a young man before the service. I, I want to pray for him, so, but I don't want to. Can you just slip up your hand if you're okay with me praying for you? I don't want to do it if, if uh, I'm just looking around. So there was a young man I was talking to that's in the Teen Challenge program. If you're comfortable with me praying, hey, all right, I'm just looking. He's got his hand up, so that's all right. I'm trying not to look right at him, right, so you won't be able to figure out who he is. So I met Nathan before the service, and uh, my heart went out to him because of this story that, that I'm, I'm sharing now, because nine months ago, his parents were contending for him because he, had a, 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 he was a hopeless drug addict as a young man in West Virginia, and so they sent him here nine months ago to Teen Challenge right here in Newport News, and he's just crossed his nine-month mark. He's been clean for nine months. Come on. So he's got some freedoms that, that yeah, you can stand because we're going to pray for him in just a minute. So go ahead and stand up. Go ahead. So I want to pray for Nathan, and then we're going we're gonna to do some other things. So you can make your way over to him if, if you want to. We just want to we want to contend with him tonight, and uh, because we know that for him, he was sharing with me that in a few more months, at the end of twelve months, he's going to go back to West Virginia, and and uh, and he's got to make some decisions about the life that he's going to resume. And there's a lot of people there waiting for him to take him down a path that he's just walked away from. And so, Father, we lift this young man up to you today as if he is a John Mark, God. And we thank you for the story of John Mark because we know, God, that Barnabas contended for him. He had a second chance when everybody else had given up on him. And then here is the young man that you chose to give us one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that he had a destiny. He had a purpose. And even though someone like the Apostle Paul had given up on him, Barnabas saw something in his life. He had a grace for him because he was a family member. And we thank you, God, that Nathan's parents have had a grace for him, even even maybe when others have given up on him, they have contended for him, and now he's here and nine months into his journey as a devoted follower of Christ. And we say, let it be, God, that you would raise up a hedge of protection around this young man, that his future, we don't know what it holds, but we know there's some, some John Mark moments in his tomorrows. There's some, some gospel writing of sorts. There's some things that he's supposed to step into that nobody else is going to do. And we say, we just want to bathe that future in prayer. We want to bathe his destiny, that we 
we just want it to be a wash in the blood of Christ, that he's going to move forward from this moment in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that those addictions from his yesterdays are not going to have a hold on him anymore, that he's going to leave here tonight with a new sense of freedom and a new sense of strength and a new sense of confidence that he finds in you, and that when he gets home to West Virginia, that he's going to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world that you've created him to be, and that every temptation that comes his way, every invitation by those old friends that comes his way, that they're just going to meet a stone wall of resistance, and that he's going to stand firm, that he's going to be strong, and that the enemy is not going to have a voice in his life ever again. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said together, amen, amen. You know, sometimes when I, when I read Matthew chapter 25, you know, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I, but this is the picture I have. I have a picture of people standing in a line, you know. I, I don't think we'll probably be in a line because, you know, that's probably a very earthly type thing. Who knows what it's going to be like there. But we live in this earthly realm, and so it's how I tend to understand. I, I just have this picture of us being in a line. And, and, uh, and Pastor Jamie in Williamsburg a couple of weeks ago was telling this story about how he got a speeding ticket on his way to church one Sunday morning recently. And, you know, he did everything he could. To, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm trying to get to the church. Right? Everything that we do is clergy, right? Trying to play that. I'm on my way to church card. And, uh, and so, but it, it wasn't working and he still got his ticket. And, uh, and so he had to go to court recently. And uh, it was just two weeks ago. And, and he's in there. And he said the, the judge just like eviscerated the two people in front of him. He said it was just like the judge woke up with a, with, with a vengeance that morning. That, that they had decided that they were just going to. They, they were just going to destroy every person, right? And, and, uh, and, and so, so Jamie, right, th- those are the people in line in front of him. And, and, and Jamie's kind of there waiting for his turn. And he's thinking to himself, what would happen if I just leave, you know? <laughs> what would be the, I don't want to stand in front of this judge. I, I just, I don't know what he's going to say to me. And so he gets up, and then it turns out because he had a Missouri driver's license, there was some, I don't know, technicality that, that, that played out, and he was just able to do something minimum by way, like way of a court cost, and he just, you know, walks out of there. Thank you, Jesus, you know. For, but but we've, if you've ever been in court, I've been in court my share a few times, right? You know what it's like, right? You're waiting your turn, and, and you want to see the disposition of the judge. What, what are they going to be like, right? And, and will they be like that? To me, and, and, and so when I read this text, I th- we're going to be in a line one day. And the judge of the universe is going to be up there. And for some people, he's going to be saying, come in. And for some people, he's going to be saying, get out. And, and if you're here tonight and, and you're uncertain, like Pastor Jamie, when he was in the court, he was uncertain of the verdict that was going to be given to him. You might be here tonight and you're uncertain. You, you don't know what he's going to say to you. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can live your life with a sense of confidence that there's an invitation that he's going to say to you. Come and be with me for all eternity. It's one of the reasons why Jesus teaches this. It's one of the reasons why he gives us this picture of this judgment that's going to come. He wants us to be ready. He, want, he doesn't put it out there so that we live in fear for the rest of our lives. That He's not toying with us. You don't know what he's going to say to you. No, no, no. He gives it to us so we can be sure. 
He gives us this teaching so we can be certain. He gives us this teaching so that we can live our lives with a sense of confidence. I know what he's going to say to me. And this idea of eternity, it's hard for us to get our hearts around it and our minds around it because we're temporal, right? And there's, there's nothing that is without end in this life. Everything in this life has, has an end. It comes to an end. Everything finishes. This word for eternity that Jesus, is, Jesus reaches for, it's a word that means that it's something that has no beginning and something that has no end. Has no beginning and no end. That there is a realm that is eternal, that, that has always been and will forever be. And, and, and God says to us, when we breathe our last, and we, our last and we stand in that place of judgment, some are going to step into a realm of eternity that's called punishment, and then some are going to step into a place of eternity that's called life. I remember when I was in that little Episcopal church, and I was younger and, and did not so do such a good job of behaving myself, and the church was not loud and rambunctious like we are, right? Our church is a great gift to children. Can we just say that, right? During the worships and during the announcements, we're rowdy, and kids can, can be a little bit noisy, and it's not bothersome, and, and then we dismiss them before the quiet time starts. So we're setting our kids up for success, if you've not figured that out, right? So, but for the church that I grew up in, it was quiet all the time. You, you were not allowed to turn around. Anybody else grow up in a church like that? When you sat in, when your butt locked in to that pad on that pew, it was eyes front, right? The only time that you were allowed to even turn your head is when the processional came in and they carried the cross. You would have to turn to know when the cross was even with you and then you would bow. Anybody else grow up in that, right? But other than that, you were, and if you turned around, it was trouble. I remember when I was old enough to sit in a different place than with my parents and I would sit with my buddy Darren Kenzie, right? It was every time that ever happened, right? It was trouble. It was trouble, right? We'd be looking around and my mom would be going like this. This was her signal. And my big punishment, if I, if I misbehave in church, on Sunday afternoons, Tarzan came on, the black and whites with Johnny Weissmuller, right? Dating myself a little bit, right? If I was bad in church, then I would not be allowed to, to watch that. And sometimes it would last more than one week. And whenever I would get that punishment, you know, I would ask the same thing that every other kid would ask. My mom would say, you can't watch, you know, Tarzan. I would say, for how long? Right? And, and there would be a time stamp that was given to me, and that gave me some understanding of when the punishment was going to be lifted, and I would move back into my sense of freedom to get punished again for a later date, which is really just how it works. You move from one punishment to another in those little country Episcopal churches. And so, it, and sometimes I would say, how long? And, and she would say, we'll see. That's not, right, that's not good, is it? Right, right, right. We'll see. Right? But even when we're punished in this life, for the most part, probably for all of us in this room, there, there's always been a time that there's, there's an end date where we step out of punishment back into a place of liberty. It is hard for us in this temporal world in which we live to grasp the finality of eternity. Jesus says to you and he says to me, it does not have an end. He talks about this so much because he understands it's so different from our human experience. He spends so much time talking about this idea of eternity because he knows that it is so terribly foreign to you and to me. And there's times where he looked at people and he says, do you understand what I'm saying to you? There is a moment in time you're going to be in a line and there's a judge and he's going to look at your life and he's only looking for one thing. And what did you do in moments like this? And what you do in moments like this is going to determine whether he says come in or get out. And when he says that, it lasts forever. 
without end. The word that he uses for punishment, here there's lots of words he could have picked. The word he uses for punishment means that it is a punishment that is well-earned and is a just reward. You with me? That, that means that it's a reward in the sense that you've earned the punishment that you got. It's, it's just. You deserve what you got. Celeste was telling us this story uh, you know, we've been in a, in a, a wedding all weekend with, with Nathaniel and, 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 and Shani, and uh, uh, we were at the rehearsal dinner on, on, on Friday night at the Miller's house, and we were sitting with Celeste, and Celeste told us a story of, of how she, not too long ago, uh, she noticed her grandmother's uh, number in her caller ID. So she picks it up. I forget what she called. I think she called it grandma. She says, and, and she picks it up. She says, hi, grandma. And before she realized what was going on, her grandmother was on the other line going, is this 911? Right, and so her heart sinks, right? Because this is her grandmother. She's thinking, oh no, something's happening. My grandmother, something's gone wrong. And she's like, Grandma, what, are you okay? What's going on? And she just keeps saying, oh, is this 911? Right? And so finally, she said, no, this is Celeste. This is your granddaughter. And she said, oh, Celeste, I'm so glad you answered the phone. Right? I don't think she's figured out that, you know, like she's thinking, I didn't know. Celeste was a 911 operator, right? And so this is what, I kid you not, this is what she said. Celeste, I'm at the store. She was outside of D.C. somewhere, and they live in like a rural community. She's like in the hood, right? I'm outside of the store, and someone is parked in a handicapped spot, and they do not have a sticker or a proper license plate. And I, this is a true story. I have pulled in behind them and blocked them so they cannot get out. And I'm calling 911 because I want the police to come to write them a ticket. I'm going to make sure that they cannot leave. It's a true story. And Celeste says, Grandma, you, you, can't, you can't do that. We, you don't call 911 for handicap parking violations, right? That's, there's something not connected here. And she went on to say, there's a non-emergency number that you would call. Give me that number, she says. <laughs> Celeste is like, Grandma, you can't, you don't know who these people are. They're, you, you, you might, she's like, oh, I'm going to be all right. They're the ones that you should worry about, right? So she makes Celeste look up the non-emergency number for the county that she is in. She writes it down on a piece of paper. She's calling out to her husband, right? Write this number down, right? And Celeste hangs up the phone and she's thinking, God, if you could just keep them. Can you imagine coming out of that store and this angry lady parked there, right? I'm telling you that story because it's stinking hilarious, right? And I just heard it on Friday. But, but you and I, we hear that story. It's over the top. Right? It's a reaction that is beyond what's required. For, for some of us here, we've believed the lie that the devil has whispered in our ear that eternity is just a little bit over the top, isn't it? I mean, come on, really? He's a loving God, and, and if he forgives, then, then surely this idea of eternity, Jesus he exaggerated for effect. That, that this story that Jesus is telling is kind of the 911 story of the handicapped space, and it's just a little bit too far-fetched to believe. Do not fall prey to that lie. Jesus did not exaggerate. He was not given to hyperbole. He was the giver of all truth. And when he speaks, it is plain. And he says to you, and he says to me, that there is a moment in time where we'll be in a line, and there is a judge, and he's going to make a decision about our lives, and he's either going to say, come in, or he's going to say, get out. And you do not have to live your life not sure of what he's going to say to you. You don't have to. 
this word for life that he uses, right? So he talks about eternity. It's forever. It doesn't have an end. And he, so he talks about this word punishment. And, and, and this punishment, it's, a, it's, it's just. You, you deserve it. And if you move up in the text, he uses the phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, so he gives us that picture because he wants us to understand the effect of that punishment on us. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be utter mi- misery. And then he picks the word to contrast because the word for eternal is the same in the Greek. And so he chooses the word punishment, eternal punishment. And then he says eternal life. And the one he picks for life is Zoe. And there's lots of words for life, but this one is a special word for life. It's what Tanya and Christoph, my, my in-laws, Vanessa's sister, they just named their baby Zoe. It's a, it's a beautiful name it, because it speaks to the kind of life that is complete. It speaks to the kind of life that is full. It speaks to the kind of life that only God can give. In, in the essence of the meaning of the word Zoe, it means that you are absolutely and completely contented and full and not lacking in any way. That's hard for us to grasp that, isn't it? Because even on our best days, we're, we're still a little bit lacking because of the limitations of our humanity. Jesus is saying this invitation to come in is going to be a Zoe existence. It's going to be there will never be a hint of want in your life ever again. And I think he picks that word to contrast with punishment because he wants us to know that eternal punishment, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth is the opposite. I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but I think my understanding of it, how I try to envision it, is that it's going to be the fullness of want and lack. It's going to be an existence forever of being completely empty. It's going to be an existence of forever. You, you think of the moments in your life where you have felt the most needy. Think of the moments in your life when you have felt the most empty. The moments in your life where you have felt the most unloved and uncared for. That you have just been in a place of total and complete emptiness on the inside. Jesus says to you, and he says to me, it's sobering, isn't it? That's going to be what it's like for you forever. Forever. Unless we're willing to embrace the invitation that he gives us today so that we can step into the invitation that he has for us in our tomorrows. When, when Ron Johnson was here, he talked about this, this, uh, this idea in, in Genesis chapter 2 where, where it talks about this is why a man will leave his father and mother and the two will become one, right? The two, two become one. And he said the connotation of that word in the Hebrew means that, that, that it's always becoming. And, and if you're married, you understand the nature of that, right? That it's not as though on your wedding day we're like, okay, the, the hard work's over, right? We're just, we are one person, right, for the rest of our, no, there, there is a, a, a coming together that takes place like we got to see in just a beautiful way. And I was so glad that Nathaniel did not spontaneously combust like I was certain that he would if you were there, that he was the most excited groom. I think that we, it was just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And, uh, and, and so there is a moment where we come together through the vows, and, and, uh, but, but really it is the beginning of becoming for the rest of our lives. And Ron, Pastor Ron told this hilarious story about years ago that his phone rang and he picks up the phone and, and on, the, on, the, on the other end they say, Ron. And, and, uh, and he says, yes. And, and, uh, and, and he knew who it was. And, 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 and then they said to him, they said, I'm just done. I'm fed up. I just, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with him. I'm just, I'm, I'm finished. I'm just, it's over. It's over. So as any good pastor would do in a moment like that, he takes a deep breath and prays and looks for the leading of the Holy Spirit before the first word comes out of his mouth. And the first thing he says is, Mom, you're 80 years old. You've been married to Dad for over 60 years. I think you're going to make it. Right? 
And he was telling this hilarious story because they have this beautiful marriage. But, but even after 60 years, right, there was moments where you, you're, you never stop the journey of becoming one. But there is a moment where the journey starts, right? Nathaniel and Shani, they're going to be becoming one for the rest of their lives, but it's, they crossed the threshold today of beginning that journey. Jesus in John 17, if you've never read John 17, I'm going to give you some homework tonight. You read it before you go to bed. It's Jesus' prayer for us. And one of the things he prays in there, listen to this prayer. He says, he says I pray, Father, that they will be one as we are one. That, 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 that they are going to step into a place of, of, of oneness with each other, but also he was saying with the oneness with us. Can you, can you imagine the sense of oneness that the Son has with the Father? And Jesus says, I want them to share in this thing with us. And this, this idea of becoming one with God, we talked about it today in the service about waking up every day knowing God is your best and closest friend. This, this journey of being one with God and walking with God, we're, we're going to spend the rest of our lives doing that. But there is a moment where we start. There is a beginning. And for me, that was in December of 1990. And I, I believe with all of my heart that there's somebody here tonight that, that tonight's going to be your beginning. It's going to be your start. Chris is going to come back and he's going to jump up here on the keys and play for us a little bit. And uh, th this, is what, this is what I want us to do. This is, this, this is how I want us to, to, move, to move forward in this moment. I, uh, I, I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes because we just want to create some privacy. And this is what I want you to envision. I want to create a picture for you tonight. I want you to imagine that, that you've got the ability to travel in time. You found your flux capacitor. If you don't know why that's funny, you can find someone old like me and we'll explain it to you. <laughs> and and, and you're, 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 you're going to make a decision. I'm going to go in time to a place. And the place that you're going to go to is the moment that you made a vow of devotion to Christ. The place that you're going to go to right now, I want you to envision it. I want you to think about it. I want you to remember it. I want you to think about where you were. I want, to think, I want you to think about who you were with. I want you to think about everything, everything that you can. Trusting even now that the Holy Spirit is just going to help make it just such a real moment for you. Almost to the point where if you were to open your eyes, you would be there right now. Are you with me? I want you to go to that place and think about that moment and what it felt like. And the decision that you made to step into that moment and to make a vow of devotion to Christ that has given you a sense of confidence so that when you get to the next moment, when you're in line, after you breathe your last, that you already know what God is going to say to you. You already know. But if you're here tonight and you're still traveling because you can't find it, if you're here right now and you cannot find the moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ. I don't care who you are. I don't care who people think that you are, who you've pretended to be or not pretended to be. If you cannot find that moment with certainty, I want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to think about whether or not you should. I just want you to do it. I just want you to slip your hand up. I just want you to raise your hand right now. If you can't find that moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else that you don't want to do. I'm just going to invite you to slip your hand up. Come on, that's good. Come on, somebody else. 
I think there's somebody else in here. Come on. If you can't find that moment, you slip it up. All right, you can put your hand down. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your honesty. It's good, isn't it? It's rich. We need to keep your eyes closed because we want to pray for some other people tonight too. If you're here and you found your moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ, you're there, you're there right now. You remember it. feels good, doesn't it? But, but now you're, you're moving back in time to come back here with us tonight and you're passing through lots of memories. And maybe in between that moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ and today, there's just a lot of ugliness that's there in the mix. And you're here tonight and this is what your thought is. You, you know that you made a vow of devotion to Christ. You, you know that there's a moment where, where, where you, you meant it. It was sincere. It was genuine. Where, where you stepped into that moment where you said, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of the living God, that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead and that one day you're going to return. I'm gonna, I, with all of my heart, I'm going to live for you all of my days. And in that moment, we like to say you took your first spiritual breath. You can, you, you see that moment. You're, you're reliving that moment even, even tonight. But, but between then and now, there's just been a lot of mistakes. And this is the thought that you've been living with. I don't know what he's going to say to me when I'm in the line. I know what I did years ago, but I, I know what I've been doing since then. And I'm, I just, I'm not sure, Fred, when I get to that place and I'm standing in front of him, I don't know if he's gonna say come in or if he's gonna say get out. If that's you, come on, everybody's got their hand. I want you to raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't, I don't want you to think about whether or not you should or shouldn't. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Just raise it up. It's good. So this is what I wanna do. I'm going to invite the, the, the band's going to come back up. And... Day of beginning that journey. Jesus in John 17, if you've never read John 17, I'm going to give you some homework tonight. You read it before you go to bed. It's Jesus' prayer for us. And one of the things he prays in there, listen to this prayer. He says, he, he says I pray, Father, that they will be one as we are one. That, 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 that they are going to step into a place of, of, of oneness with each other, but also he was saying with the oneness with us. Can you, can you imagine the sense of oneness that the Son has with the Father? And Jesus says, I want them to share in this thing with us. And this, this idea of becoming one with God, we talked about it today in the service about waking up every day knowing God is your best and closest friend. This, this journey of being one with God and walking with God, we're, we're going to spend the rest of our lives doing that but there is a moment where we start there is a beginning and for me that was in December of 1990 and I, I believe with all of my heart that there's somebody here tonight that, that tonight's going to be your beginning it's going to be your start Chris is going to come back and he's going to jump up here on the keys and play for us a little bit and uh, th this is what this is what I want us to do this is this this is how I want us to to move to move forward in this moment I, uh, I, I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes because we just want to create some privacy.
And this is what I want you to envision. I want to create a picture for you tonight. I want you to imagine that, that you've got the ability to travel in time. You found your flux capacitor. If you don't know why that's funny, you can find someone old like me and we'll explain it to you. <laughs> and and, and you're, 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 you're going to make a decision. I'm going to go in time to a place. And the place that you're going to go to is the moment that you made a vow of devotion to Christ. The place that you're going to go to right now, I want you to envision it. I want you to think about it. I want you to remember it. I want you to think about where you were. I want, to think, I want you to think about who you were with. I want you to think about everything, everything that you can. Trusting even now that the Holy Spirit is just going to help make it just such a real moment for you. Almost to the point where if you would have opened your eyes, you would be there right now. You with me? I want you to go to that place and think about that moment and what it felt like. And the decision that you made to step into that moment and to make a vow of devotion to Christ that has given you a sense of confidence so that when you get to the next moment, when you're in line, after you breathe your last, that you already know what God is going to say to you. You already know. But if you're here tonight and you're still traveling because you can't find it, if you're here right now and you cannot find the moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ. I don't care who you are. I don't care who people think that you are, who you've pretended to be or not pretended to be. If you cannot find that moment with certainty, I want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to think about whether or not you should. I just want you to do it. I just want you to slip your hand up. I just want you to raise your hand right now. If you can't find that moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else that you don't want to do. I'm just going to invite you to slip your hand up. Come on, that's good. Come on, somebody else. I think there's somebody else in here. Come on. If you can't find that moment, you slip it up. All right, you can put your hand down. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your honesty. It's good, isn't it? It's rich. We need to keep your eyes closed because we want to pray for some other people tonight too. If you're here and you found your moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ, and you're there. You're there right now. You remember it. Feels good, doesn't it? But but now you're you're moving back in time to come back here with us tonight, and you're passing through lots of memories, and maybe in between that moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ and today, there's just a lot of ugliness that's there in the mix. And you're here tonight and this is what your thought is. You, you know that you made a vow of devotion to Christ. You, you know that there's a moment where, where, where you, you meant it. It was sincere. It was genuine. Where, where you stepped into that moment where you said, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of the living God, that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead and that one day you're going to return. I'm gonna, I, with all of my heart, I'm going to live for you all of my days. And in that moment, we like to say you took your first spiritual breath. You can, you, you see that moment. You're, you're reliving that moment even, even tonight. But, but between then and now, there's just been a lot of mistakes. And this is the thought that you've been living with. 
I don't know what he's going to say to me when I'm in the line. I know what I did years ago, but I, I know what I've been doing since then. And I'm, I just, I'm not sure, Fred, when I get to that place and I'm standing in front of him, I don't know if he's going to say come in or if he's going to say get out. If that's you, come on, everybody's got their hand. I want you to raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't, I don't want you to think about whether or not you should or shouldn't. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Just raise it up. good. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to invite the, the, the band's going to come back up. And so we're going to keep your heads bowed. that I'm going to invite you to stand with me in just a couple of minutes. The worship team's going to, going to play. We're going to do a song or two together. Let's do two. Let's do two, Stephanie. We'll do two. We'll get off the clock just a little bit. There's people that are standing on, on, on either side. There's Stephen, Laurie, Ruggieri are, are going to be coming up here. And, and uh, we've got Kim and, and Laura over there on the other side. If you want to pray with someone tonight, they're here for you. You with me? If you, if you want to pray with someone tonight, they're here. And I'm just going to invite you, for, for, for if you raised your hand, if you raised your hand and you want someone to pray with you, we're, we're not going to force you to do anything that you, that you don't want to do. But if you want someone to pray with, they're, they're here for you. But if you would be so bold, this is, this is what I'm gonna, I want to challenge you to do. Even if you choose to go up there for prayer, that, that at some point as we're singing these two songs together, I'm going to invite you, if you raised your hand, either if you were the one person that raised your hand the first time or if you raised your hand on one of those second times, I'm just going to, during these two songs, just you, I want you to find your way up here to the front, somewhere in the middle here around this table. Because when we get to the end of the second song, when I come up to close the service, I want to pray, and we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you that, that, that tonight, that, that if you... We're, if you were the person that didn't find that moment, we're trusting that you're going to find it right now. That you're going to go up and pray with one of these couples here on the side, and they're going to walk you through a prayer. You're going to take your first spiritual breath so that the next time you find yourself in a service like this and you're doing a little time travel with your flux capacitor, you come on, you're going to travel to Saturday night in November of 2013 at the City Life Church. You're going to remember this moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ. If you're here tonight and you've been walking under the condemnation of all the mistakes that you've made since that moment that you made a vow of devotion to Christ, that tonight is going to be your time to say, I'm not living under that cloud of condemnation anymore. I know that I am forgiven and I am free. And maybe you're walking in some things now that you know are not of God, that tonight is going to be your moment of stepping out of that life into the life that He's called you to live. You're going to start... With, with a sense of strength, saying no to some things, and you're going to start saying yes to the right things. Just saying which, whichever one you fall into during these couple of songs, find your way and just have an encounter with the creator of the universe. He's waiting for you right here. You might say, well, I can find him right where I, I am. You can. You can. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I've been doing this for a long time. There's something about running after God. There's something about saying, no, 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 I'm going to show some intentionality. There's something about saying, no, I'm going to go after him. 
There's something about standing in a place of being conspicuous. There's something about taking some steps that sets you free. Stand with me. Father, we pray for every person that's here tonight that needs to have an encounter with you. We pray for every person that's here tonight, if they didn't raise their hand, that they're going to still be able to respond. That there's going to be some people here tonight that are going to take their first spiritual breath, and there are going to be some people here tonight that leave here with a new sense of confidence that when they stand in that moment of judgment, they already know that you're going to say to them, come in forever with me. In Jesus' name, let's worship together. stand with me in just a couple of minutes. The worship team's going to play. We're going to do a, a song or two together. Let's do two. Let's do two, Stephanie. Let's do, we'll do two. We'll get off the clock just a little bit. There's people that are standing on, on, on either side. There's Stephen, Laurie, Ruggieri are, are going to be coming up here. And, and uh, we've got Kim and, and Laura over there on the other side. If you want to pray with someone tonight, they're here for you. You with me? If you, if you want to pray with someone tonight, 
they're here. And I'm just going to invite you, for, for, for if you raised your hand, if you raised your hand, and you want someone to pray with you, we're, we're not going to force you to do anything that you, that you don't want to do. But if you want someone to pray with, they're, they're here for you. But if you would be so bold, this is, this is what I'm gonna, I want to challenge you to do. Even if you choose to go up there for prayer, that, that at some point as we're singing these two songs together, I'm going to invite you, if you raised your hand, either if you were the one person that raised your hand the first time or if you raised your hand on one of those second times, I'm just going to, during these two songs, just you, I want you to find your way up here to the front, somewhere in the middle here around this table. Because when we get to the end of the second song, when I come up to close the service, I want to pray, and we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you that, that, that tonight, that, that if, you were, if you were the person that didn't find that moment, we're trusting that you're going to find it right now. That you're going to go up and pray with one of these couples here on the side, and they're going to walk you through a prayer. You're going to take your first spiritual breath. So that the next time you find yourself in a service like this and you're doing a little time travel with your flux capacitor, you come on, you're going to travel to Saturday night in November of 2013 at the City Life Church. You're going to remember this moment where you made a vow of devotion to Christ. If you're here tonight and you've been walking under the condemnation of all the mistakes that you've made since that moment that you made a vow of devotion to Christ, that tonight is going to be your time to say, I'm not living under that cloud of condemnation anymore. I know that I am forgiven and I am free. And maybe you're walking in some things now that you know are not of God, that tonight is going to be your moment of stepping out of that life into the life that he's called you to live. You're going to start with, with a sense of strength, saying no to some things, and you're going to start saying yes to the right things. Just saying which, whichever one you fall into during these couple of songs, find your way and just have an encounter with the creator of the universe. He's waiting for you right here. You might say, well, I can find him right where I, I am. You can. You can. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I've been doing this for a long time. There's something about running after God. There's something about saying, no, 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 I'm going to show some intentionality. There's something about saying, no, I'm going to go after him. There's something about standing in a place of being conspicuous. There's something about taking some steps that sets you free. Stand with me. Father, we pray for every person that's here tonight that needs to have an encounter with you. We pray for every person that's here tonight, if they didn't raise their hand, that they're going to still be able to respond. That there's going to be some people here tonight that are going to take their first spiritual breath, and there are going to be some people here tonight that leave here with a new sense of confidence that when they stand in that moment of judgment, they already know that you're going to say to them, come in forever with me. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.